Curious making an effort, but it's Rono in front, and are they going to catch him? Harold comes through on the inside, and here comes Graham with a late run. It's Elliot, Elliot chasing Rono, but he can't get there. Rono wins, Elliot second, Harold third, Graham four. Britain's two places in the first four, but not the gold. And what a run that was by yet another good Kenyan. They're really finding him, and this is a new one as well. Peter Rono, a famous name. 21 years old has come through to take Olympic gold on his first major international appearance. Graham just hadn't got the legs, but it mattered most of all. 104 All-Americans, 27 national champions, 13 Olympians, and one Olympic gold medalist. This is Mount St. Mary's track and field. Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitsman, and I'm the host of Track World News, presented by The Harrier, and today starts the first episode of our docuseries, Moving Mountains, which follows the journey of Mount St. Mary's University's track and field teams during the chaotic 2020-2021 season. Before we get to that, let's start at the beginning. In 1808, in the small town of Emmitsburg, located about an hour away from Baltimore, Maryland, the mount was founded. Mount St. Mary's University is a small school, and there's a good chance that your high school has more students enrolled, but that hasn't held back the athletics at all. The mount currently competes in the NEC, one of the smaller Division I conferences, featuring the likes of Bryant University, St. Francis, Central Connecticut, and many others. While there has been a recent boom in athletics at the Mount, with eight conference team championships across all sports over the past five years, three of which coming from the cross-country and track and field team, this isn't the first time that we've seen dominant performances by the Mount on the track. To find the spark of all this, we have to go all the way back to 1957, when a young Jim Deegan was just getting started with his coaching career. They say behind every great team is an even better coach. And that statement is definitely true here, as noted by head coach Jay Phillips. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Coach Deegan did an amazing job. I mean, he came here in, in gosh, the mid, late 50s. And, you know, I guess the, the you know, the peak of the All-Americans and Olympians were, were probably late 70s all through all through the 80s, even into even into probably the mid late 90s. And um, he did an amazing job building up, uh, building up a program into something that that like world class athletes were training at Mount St. Mary's. And that's and that's and that's fun. And that's still something that um, that we talk about today. I mean, I was talking with Todd and Justin yesterday after practice about um about some of the people that would have trained on this campus or at this track, the very track that they're training on. Um, and it's, it's neat. And with, um, you know, with coach's retirement and then his, his passing, it's, we've been, I've been given a lot of opportunity to reflect, um, obviously his retirement a decade or more ago, but then, you know, his, his more recent passing just with, 
a lot of reflection and conversations with alumni about sort of the um, the heart and the nature of of the program. And in that sense, it's it just hasn't changed much. I mean, we just we find ways to to be successful with um, with our current situation. I mean, we were always um, it's never like Mount St. Mary's had the best facility in the country, right? It's never like we've had, you know, the, the, you know, the most coaches or, you know, the best weather or things like that. You know, it's, 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 it's finding ways to be successful, um, to overcome adversity, you know, to, to really, really sort of maximize your potential. And that's something that, that every, every era can sort of can continue to claim that. And that's one thing that I'm still very, very happy about with the team. A key theme that you'll notice in this series is resilience. The never give up attitude and determination to succeed no matter the obstacles that are in front of you. If you're unfamiliar with Emmitsburg, Maryland, don't feel bad. It's a 1.5 square mile town where over half the population goes home for summer break every May. Emmitsburg is an interesting place. Located on the side of a mountain, it can give you some crazy weather. As a former student-athlete at the Mount, I vividly remember a day where we experienced all four seasons in just a few short hours. The morning started off with light snow, nothing too abnormal for an early morning in April. By the time I got out of my first class, that snow had changed to rain as I sprinted back to my dorm room to change into rain gear for practice that afternoon. Drenched, with my backpack on and water bottle in hand, I zoomed over to the track with whirlwinds almost blowing my car off course just for our workout when I was pleasantly surprised that the sun was shining and had dried up all the water on the track. Even with all the Mount's oddities, Coach Deegan was still able to bring in top-level talent across the board. And if there's one thing we know in track and field, it's that momentum creates momentum. While the team was successful during the 70s, it really took off during the 80s. Started with the brothers Charles and Kip Chariot, who have their names painted all over the Mount record books, including an insane 3 minute and 33 second 1500 meter run by Kip, which is faster than the current national record. This talented duo from Kenya helped attract future Olympic gold medalist Peter Rono, also from Kenya. Each year, you would see a new name at the NCAA championships, almost like clockwork. While distance running showed to be dominant for the mount during this time, the decathlon was equally as impressive. Olympians such as Bill Monty, who also dunked from the free throw line, even though he wasn't a member of the basketball team, a video that you can still see on YouTube to this day, walked the halls of the mount and was just one of the 72 athletes who earned All-American honors under Coach Deegan's tutelage. The stories of the great athletes did not go unnoticed either. If you ever had the pleasure to meet Coach Deegan, you would know that he could share track stories till the cows came home, and each of them would have their own important message. Now, 2011 Mount graduate and All-American in the decathlon, Tom Fitzsimons, will share some of the reasons why the student-athletes under Coach Deegan's tutelage found such great success for such a long time. Yeah, I, th I, know, I know Deegan knew his stuff. Um, I never really followed up with him on this, but I remember Josh Dezak, who was a pole vaulter, a junior when I came in. Um, and 
he said, you know, like Deegan was studying the sport and it was during that, I don't want to say developmental phases, but like when, like we right now can go online and find the training plan, the speed plan, the ankle rehab plan. That, that, that You go back to the 80s, you go back to the 70s, that, it's a lot of legend. It's a lot of, oh yeah, this worked for my guy. So just do, I can't imagine what, you know, some, some coaches were trying and trying to experiment with, but anyways, Deegan, I think actually did it methodically and had a group and whether it was scientists or whether it was people that just really cared and really actually took data. Um, I think there was some research going on that meant something back then. And I don't know the timeline of who was before Mahdi, but I know the story when he went to go recruit William Mahdi out of France, his father was dying. And the vibe I get was they had, the French do business over lunch. That's another life lesson I heard. You had to go to the recruiting visit, and go have lunch with the family. You couldn't just make a phone call. So he goes to have lunch, but the father knew he was dying. And his father wanted him in good hands as a decathlete. He knew he had promise in the decathlon and he was right. He got fourth at the Olympics, but um, there must've been something that I, like, I don't have the exact timeline of that Deegan showed his, his ability as a coach prior to that time that this man knew his son was going to be a good decathlete and he needed to set him up as best he could. And that place was Emmitsburg, Maryland with coach Jim Deegan. Um, Anyway, I've heard the story over the years, it all came down to he wanted to have his son in a good spot. And that good spot was with coach Deegan. So um, I, what's crazy is I know the chariot twins tried to get into Richmond university and where I work now is at Westmont and the coach here for 40 plus years, Russell Smelly was at Richmond during the same kind of time. And he talks about coach Harvey and I think coach Harvey and Deegan, they have like very similar crossovers and just a different era of coaching. But I guess Harvey, for whatever reason, couldn't get into Richmond. I don't know if it was grades. I don't know if it was money. I really don't know why, but he called up me. He goes, Hey Jim, what if I told you I had two Kenyans that, uh, they're in the States, but I can't get them in the schools. You want them. <laughs> and Deegan took them in and trained them. And once again, I'm, I'm sorry that my timeline could be forwards or backwards, whether Rona was the same exact time or two years before, two years after, but Deegan was trusted in his area, in his community that people that couldn't make it work basically said, Hey, I have a good athlete that I can, uh, I can't get into my school. How about you? So and then once you do that once or twice and you have a few people going to the Olympics, you just become that spot. But you might have the numbers, Colin, but in 88, there are four, five, or six athletes from Mount St. Mary, some of them being like sophomores and juniors in college at the Olympic Games. So um, carry that on through, you know, 89, 90, 92, like you get athletes like uh, head coach right now, Jim Stevenson and stuff like that coming in. But um, I don't know what started it, but I can only imagine he was super prepared and maybe researched better off than 
other people in his area. Um, and then I think we had the, the non-internet days, D2, D1, D3, it didn't matter. It's kind of like if you were really good at D2, you just went to the D1 meet at the end of the season. So I think that was a little bit different. Um, and once he got it rolling, I think, I mean, I was lucky to get in there while he was still coaching too. So a great early start that just kept on snowballing, as he would say, snowball, you got to, you get an early PR, you keep it rolling. Over 50 years of coaching, you're bound to witness some amazing performances, be at the same table with some incredible athletes and have some amazing stories to say the least. I remember when we were on our way to our first meet of the outdoor season, my sophomore year, and our 84-year-old coach brought up to us that he had never taken a nap in his entire life. Thinking this was a joke, everyone in the van laughed and said, yeah, coach, that would be crazy if you actually did that. But with a straight face, he said, no, it's true. I've never taken a nap in my entire life. I get all of my sleep at night, and I'm refreshed for the day. Well, knowing that, what happened next must have been nothing short of history in the making, because Coach then took his very first nap of his entire life, right there in the passenger seat of our 12-person van on our way to George Mason University. Whether that was his actual first nap of his life, or just a poorly timed story, is yet to be determined. There are too many priceless stories just like these, and to share two more impactful ones is Tom Fitzsimons one more time. My brother was getting married earlier this uh, fall, and I went to go visit him basically at hospice, and we had 90 minutes outside drinking some, drinking some Starbucks coffee, and almost like this, like almost just reminiscing. Um, and one of the most special things he said like three times to himself, he just looked on at the distance or looking up in the sky. And it was a nice winter day, like a very warm winter day in Maryland. He's like, I had a great life. I had a very good life. So it was, it was very meaningful to hear that. Um, and just knowing he I almost had like closure, right? He, he had time to self-reflect and um, realize what he's done for other people and um, who he was as a man, who he was as a coach. And then I know that's more sentimental than we're looking for here. We're looking for the, uh, in his prime coaching, working around this, this world. One time freshman year, we get to Arizona. I do this thing called Poll Chronicles, which is a silly thing I do on my Instagram account, which is just showing how hard it is to uh, travel with pole vault poles. But this was Poll Chronicles. We get on this van. It's got no rack. We're tying it to the side. We Before we got there, we had to get on a shuttle van. I'm like pulling them in through, uh, you know, a regular standard bus. And I'm just thinking it's all normal. We just got to do what we got to do. But we go to this meet. It's my first decathlon. It's just me and him for like three days in Arizona. I qualify for the meet I'm trying to qualify for by like seven points. And we're leaving the meet. Deeg's been walking around all day with no shirt on. He's got his toes hanging over his sandals out the front developing plantar fasciitis as fast as he possibly can and he puts his shirt on top of the car we're driving away we're going back to the hotel and i see his shirt fly off the side. i'm like oh Deegs, your shirt fell so we're in a two-lane road with a with a, a median that like dips down like one of those grass hole medians that's maybe three lanes wide but you know just grass and then the other side so he makes this elite i don't know if it's a legal u-turn but he makes this big u-turn comes back around 
And then he gets out of the car and it's not crazy busy, but it's not passive traffic right now. He's got to go two lanes down this grass, up this grass, two lanes, get his shirt, come back and do the same exact thing. And I'm thinking this man is going to get flattened by a car right now. And I'm like, I'm sitting in the passenger seat, just trying to go get some dinner. I'm like, what is going to happen? Uh, if, if he goes down here, I'm just an 18 year old kid in the middle of Arizona with a rental car. That's not mine. And I'm freaking out. He finally gets back and he doesn't, it's not like he almost got hit or anything, but it wasn't safe. And he hops back in. I'm like, geez, what are you doing, man? And he goes, he looks me, his glasses falling halfway down his eyes. And he like looks up and that way he always looked at people like through the very top rim of his glasses and he goes, what'd you clock me? <laughs> and I just start cracking. I'm like, I literally thought he was going to die in traffic right now. And now he's asking, what was his time going to get his t-shirt? And he put his t-shirt on and went to Olive Garden and it was a great time. Coach Deegan made the blueprint. He coached, inspired, and led generations of track athletes at Mount St. Mary's University. Even with his passing in November of 2020, his impact is still felt to this day. Many of the current coaching staff competed under Deegan and have continued to instill many of his practices and training concepts with the team. As I'm sure all of you know, when building a house, it is important to have a strong foundation. Without a good foundation, your building will be brittle and it is bound to collapse with time. In the short term, you could potentially find success and maybe even break a record or two, but it's not sustainable. Coach Deegan is this foundation, and the building is just getting started. We've seen the start of this newest generation of Mount Track recently with its newest leader, head coach Jay Phillips. In just his sixth year at the helm, the team has already made program history and has reestablished the Mount Track and Field team atop of the NEC. Medals have been won, records have been shattered, and dreams have come true. Next week, we take a look at two teams that did the unexpected and made history that was 20 years in the making. We work hard at becoming a more selfless team and they rose to that challenge. It's, it's just, it's surreal just how how far this program has come. We are two separate teams. We are one big family, so it was really exciting to be able to um, support them and be there. It was true. We could, we could win outdoor. You know, every time I looked at it, there was a pathway for us to come out on top. Um, I still don't think the percentages were, were in our favor, um, but we knew it was truly possible. You know, could is still very different from will or or should um, and and we knew we could do it if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe like and leave a review it really helps us know that you're enjoying this series and all of our other content see you next week and have a good one peace